Well, good morning, church family. We're grateful to be here with you together. We're going to continue through our study of Luke today. Today we're in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. It's pretty interesting. As Vaughn and I were talking, this has been months ago that I was going to preach this thing, and it's talking about fishermen. And there's something I might know a little bit about is fishing. My boys and I actually just went fishing yesterday, and usually in the back of my truck, there's always fishing rods. I probably shouldn't be broadcasting that. Somebody might help themselves to a few of them, because that's happened before. <laughs> but uh, uh, that's something I do know about, and I enjoy fishing. And uh, there's a specific title here that God has given to all people that know Christ. And today, we're in, again, we're going to be in verses 5. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. I actually have a, somebody that I think knows a little bit about fishing, and he's going to read the text for us. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing near the lake of Genesaret. I'm from South Carolina. It's hard for me to say. Nathan can pronounce it right. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting to one of the boats, which was Simon, he asked him to put out a little from the land, pull out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we had toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done, when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners from the other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that that it began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down to his knees at Jesus. He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, "Depart from me." For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. This is key here. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Years ago, the British agnostic Thomas Huxley had to leave early one morning to go from one speaking assignment to another. So he got into a horse-drawn taxi to go from his hotel to the train station. He assumed that the hotel doorman had told the driver in, of the carriage that they were to go to the train station. So when he got in, he simply said to the driver, drive fast. And off they went. After a short while, Huxley, who was somewhat familiar with the area, realized that they were actually going in the opposite direction from the train station. He yelled to the driver, do you know where you're going? And without looking, the driver <laughs> replied, no, sir, but I'm driving very fast. And sometimes life is like this. Uh, with me especially, uh, it seems like we don't do any good and we go fast in a direction. Sometimes it's just not the right one. Yet many people, even Christians, are like that. Our lives are busy, they are going full bore, but they haven't stopped to evaluate what we should be going to. And as for many, as if life has whizzed us by, we haven't spent it focused on the right purposes sometimes. And as Christians, we would all agree that if we want to spend our lives properly, we must be in line with God's design and His purpose for our lives. And here in these 
Uh, and here in these 11 verses here in chapter 5 of Luke, I think we see Jesus helping some fishermen know exactly where to fish and really what fishing is the most important. Many scholars are divided over the incident here, and they rather think it's the same incident that's found in Matthew and Mark, but it doesn't really matter. I don't think it matters much for this time. But we need to understand that from this book, uh, and we can see that from the book of John, that Peter had actually met Jesus before. Okay? They had met before, just kind of like in passing, so to see. So this incident in Luke recorded here for us is about a year or so later, they think. And we have multiple witnesses or fishermen that are present during this time. James and John are there. And more than likely, even though he's not said here, uh, Simon Peter's brother Andrew was probably there. He's one that fished with him. He was a fisherman with him. But we don't need to lose focus on the main interaction here between Peter and Jesus. These all, these, all these men, what did they do? They met Jesus here in this text, and they had begun to follow him. But yet they were not understanding completely his mission, but this experience with Jesus redirected and changed their lives forever. And here in the first three verses, I think we can see that Jesus is teaching God's word, and Peter's doing what? Being what he does. He's a fisherman, right? He's been out fishing all night. And just like Andy, he's a professional fisherman. It's a different level in some ways. Andy's a rod and reel fisherman. These guys were commercial fishermen fishing with nets. But he was, still was a professional. He knew how to catch fish. And he had a bad night, didn't he? <laughs> didn't catch anything. And you, you just think about it. He's a professional fisherman. And then by, by verse 11, what has Peter done? He's foregone his whole career and has a new, new career path, doesn't he? He's catching men, not fish. And the words Jesus speaks to us in verse 10 tells us what we're supposed to be doing, like Andy talked about. Do not fear. From now on, you'll be catching people. This word here, to catch, literally means to capture alive. And all these men being fishermen, they use the gill nets and their fish would be caught and not stay alive. But now their focus is on dead men coming alive through Jesus. But what we see here from this story, and I hope today, is that we're all called fishermen. Why is this? Because we're in Christ? Because Jesus transforms ordinary, everyday fishermen and uses these servants. He evolves us in what? His mission for catching people for his kingdom. Stephen Cole says this regarding this before we hop into our outline there. Hopefully you got the outline as you came in. Cole says this regarding this. The greatest purpose we can have in life is to follow Jesus in catching men for him. So the main idea for us is that disciples should keep fishing. So the first point there. Calling fishermen because the water is ready. How do we know the water is ready? Jesus tells us it is, right? Jesus is coming. All the, these crowds literally push him out into the water. That's, he's like a crowd of people and he, can, he has nowhere to go, so they literally push him out into the water. And what does he do? He, he gets out in the boat, doesn't he? Because the water is always ready. Again, these guys are professional fishermen. They fished all night and day. And you know they knew the lake pretty well, the Sea of Galilee or Lake of Gisinaret. And they had caught nothing. Fished all night. I don't know if you ever fished all night and caught nothing. I have. It hasn't been much, but it's happened. Okay? And you're just tired. You've been out, you've been, it's, it's tiring to fish all night. Okay? And they, this is, and you just think about it. There's nothing more frustrating for a fisherman. Right? He's down in the dumps. And this is what they're trained to do. Right? And these fishermen understand the water. They know the tides. They know, they know the best times to go. It should be, it should be the same way for us. That's when it comes to sharing the gospel and getting info about who Christ is. We need to be aware that the waters are out there are, tur are turbulent sometimes. So what does that mean for us? That 
We probably shouldn't get some of our main basics for theological education from Facebook or social media platforms or news outlets. Because here it is, guys. Most of these are good at taking your money, but they inflict serious harm on what the gospel is and actually devastating for Christians. Not just here, but all over the, the world. Because if what, what they're saying doesn't sound like what the Bible is, you probably shouldn't listen and base your belief in who God is with Facebook posts. Just a few side notes here. Did you know that China sends more missionaries than the USA has for the last 10 years to the mission field? Or that 61% of professing Christians never share their faith, and 79% of professing Christians never even have invited someone to church in the last year? But here it is. If you're a disciple in Christ, we should all be fishing. It's not just for the professionals, and Jesus proves this by what? Taking humble fishermen and making them servants for Christ to build his kingdom up. So here it is. If you're a disciple of Christ, we should all be fishing. Fishing for men, though as Jesus taught. If you fish for men, it requires the gospel. You've got to start there. Right? You can't fish for men if you're not repenting and trusting the gospel. Does that mean repent of sin? You turn away from your sin, you turn towards Christ and his finished work on the cross to save you from your sins, and you don't go back to that life. You live a life pursuing what God has designed for you. And guess what? The water is ready. It's, if, either if it's shallow or deep, people are ready to hear the message as much now as they ever were. John 8, 28 tells us, So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Guys, we can do that because we have God's Word to us, right? Here it is, church. The water is always ready. We should be fishing, right? As a church, how do we do this? By proclaiming the glory of God in the songs we sing the lessons we study together, and the Bible studies we have from the platform. But together, also in the lives, we live away from the church as well. It testifies to the water that we fish in. I've had a lot more gospel conversations and opportunities to share the gospel outside the walls of the church than inside the walls of the church. And like I've, I've said many times from this platform, we should be aware of where God has us in our daily lives and the people we do life with. Because we can leave others to be fishermen or we can leave them to be, not be fishermen. So what's your, what are you doing with your life, Christian? It's apparent to how you live or who you worship or who you're fishing for. Because here it is, the fish are always biting. And luckily for us, the bait that Christ given himself up for us is always attractive to those in need of it. It's the greatest thing for the whole world <laughs> that Jesus to come to earth to die for the sins of the world humanity the greatest gift of the world and guess what we even have a guide for living as fishermen it's, it's right here <laughs> we have 66 books that guide us through this life point people to jesus his word and let the spirit do its work stephen cole says this when we talk to people about the gospel we simply have to tell them what god has revealed about himself about the savior and about our need for him Witnesses, here it is, witnesses don't make up their own stories. Witnesses are what? Under oath to tell the truth about what they have seen and heard. Miss Amber, you get to see this a lot, right? Witnesses are what? I want you to hear it again. Are under oath to tell the truth about what they've seen and heard. The Bible is God's word to us through his faithful witnesses. Our job, like the apostles as well, is to the others <clears throat> what God has done through his son, Jesus. So who are we telling about him? So we are all fishermen, and we know the water's ready, and we can witness to it. And what does that mean? We should be fishing, right? 
The water's there. We should be telling them the truth that we have in love. So next one there. Calling fishermen to be aware of where you're fishing. Guys, I hate to tell you, but I think most Christians aren't just aware of how God uses them in daily life. We call it feel. You just don't have the feel. Because here, Jesus had a huge crowd following him. I'm literally pushing him into the water. And it would have been a distraction for some, but it wasn't for him. I think he's strategically thinking here. He sees these boats, and he knows one's Peter's. And he's technically already met Peter. And he probably already knows in his, in his brain that Peter's going to be somebody that leads his church forward. So he interacts with Peter, doesn't he? He chooses a Simon boat. What's Simon? He says, push me out from shore. You think about a dock. He probably just tied up the dock. He pushes the boat out. So he's teaching there. And you got to remember, I mean, he didn't really know him that well, but he just gets in his boat and allows him to go out in it, right? I just don't let anybody get in my boat and go out in it. But guess what? Jesus was able to have all the attention from this boat and use the boat as a tool to share the gospel. So let me ask you, what do you use as tools to share the gospel? We're going to learn about a tool in a little bit that my students all know. and They've heard it from me many times, and some of you guys have heard it many times, but that's going to be at the end. But here's the thing, we need to be aware that, we need to be aware of your audience. And Jesus was aware of his audience there, wasn't he? He wanted to teach the people, but he also wanted to do what? Call fishermen to understand that they had to be disciples. Why should we be aware of our calling and where we're supposed to be sharing the gospel? Because we're supposed to be evangelizing the lost or fishing, aren't we? Now Stephen Cole says this, I think it's a great quote. Not every Christian is a preacher. But every Christian is a witness. To be an obedient witness, you must learn the basics of the good news. Because here's the thing. Fishing is a sport. And Andy does it on a very high level. I don't know if you guys have ever been a professional fisherman, but he, back in the day, I probably could have been one, but I chose a different life. I chose to fish for men. And praise God, God chose me to do that. It's, it's more enjoyable than anything I could ever do, every bass I could ever catch, no matter how big it is. But you still should have a plan of attack. And by the meat being fishing on a pretty high level throughout the years, I know what to expect by what the temperature is, the time of the year, the water temperature, and stuff like that. And right now, the water's warming up, and guess what? Fish get more active because they're cold-blooded, right? But that <coughs> they're cold-blooded, and they start to move up shallow. And when they start moving up shallow, they start feeding more because they're moving around more, they're swimming more. And right now, I don't know if you guys know this, but if Andy showed you the front of his boat that he was on in Lake Fork in Texas, he's got two screens about big as my iPad on the front, and he's got two screens about big as my iPad at the bow of his boat where he drives it. And on these screens, there's this new technology called LiveScope. So he literally can see, he can pull up to a brush pile or a tree in the water, and he can see the fish on the tree and how they're located from the way his sonar goes out. And he can literally make a cast and see his bait go down to where the fish is. How the fish reacts to the bait. Like, all this technology is new, but it's, it's pretty serious. We used it last year. My cousin has it on his boat. Uh, the boys and I went uh, crappy fishing with him. And he could pull up to a brush pile, and he just moves it around. He's like, there's a fish right there. And he puts the jig over there, and you can watch the fish come up, grab the jig, and start. And you just, it's like video game fishing. That's what they call it. But this technology is out there, right? And this technology makes you aware exactly what's there. Guys, for Christians, it doesn't matter what's there. Because if you're in Christ, it doesn't matter what's in front of you. Okay? It doesn't matter. Because God is that. He is that. It doesn't matter. 
You have the best thing you can ever have if you're in Christ, right? You have the best. Remember here, Peter and his partners were fishing, right? They were great at it. And they knew where to fish. But what does Jesus proclaim when he shows them the miracle that he proves? He proves who he is. Again, they don't understand yet. The people around him didn't understand. you got to think about it. There's a huge audience there. They all saw these boats filled with fish sinking. I don't know what happened to the boats. The text doesn't say, but if there was a bunch of Baptists there, we'd be frying some fish, wouldn't we? I mean, no doubt. Two boats full of fish sinking, they'd be frying them up. Because Peter and his partners knew it all, right? And they weren't quite sure who Jesus was, but they trusted him in some ways, especially Peter. But here he's starting to prove who he is. Because, again, Jesus knew how to fish. <laughs> he knew you didn't take treble hooks and try to throw it in a tree, right? You're going to get hung up. He knew how to proclaim what he was doing. And here it is, the same way with sharing your faith. Be aware of who you are and the person and the environment you're in. Because, guys, you can use the stories in your life and daily life to share the gospel with people. Because things don't always go right. Every single day, things don't go right. Be aware that God's given you this ability and the people around you for this opportunity. Be aware. And there, here's the thing. There's not a wrong way to share the gospel. But I think it's wise to know the person's situation they're in, especially the crowd that I lead, the next generation crowd. And to make them aware how the gospel is prevalent and now is prevalent and forever in their own lives. And we, the, the, <clears throat> excuse me, and the love you have for people should come from this, right? From Christ himself to make you aware of who, who you are in Christ. Terrence says this regarding how to love people daily. He says this, what does this kind of love look like in daily life? The answer may surprise you. Obedience to God's will is found in Scripture according to the Bible. Obedience is the acid test of the true love for God. Jesus makes this clear when he says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. In John 14, he talks about that. So does the Apostle John who says, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. If we love God, love his commands, it will not be burdensome or irksome to us. Rather, we will desire to obey him. And do you desire to obey God and bring pleasure through him, through your obedience? The more you ponder and marvel at the good news of the gospel, the more we want to please him and build his kingdom. So here it is. If you claim to be a Christian, you, you should be able to share the gospel with someone. The guidance we need in evangelism comes from the Lord to direct us. Right? The Spirit's at work. Right? The Lord directed Peter right to where he cast his net. And guess what? He'll do the same for you. What we don't know about the miracle that the Lord's shown here is that, that he knew where the fish were or he told the fish where to go. We don't know that. I don't know if it matters, but God clearly shows who he is through this. But clearly we can see that Jesus knows where to fish best and he gives orders. And guess what? When you obey his mission, you get to see some blessings like that sometimes. It's all, sometimes it's almost immediately when you share the gospel with someone, they get saved. It's just like, wow, this is just, I'm just crushing it today. And sometimes it takes years and years of prayer and, and just talking through the gospel with people. The next one there. Calling fishermen to fish in the deep. Calling fishermen to fish in the deep. Because what does he say there? Put, put the nets out in the deep. Is the deep usually close to shore? It's not. It takes work to get out to the deep, doesn't it? It's, it's burdensome. It's hard. And sometimes, guess what? There's more fish out in the deep. There's more water out in the deep, isn't there? So Jesus said to Simon here, what? He obeyed him the first time, but he doesn't want to go again. He's just war slap out. He doesn't want to do something hard. 
But here's the thing. Jesus calls us to be uncomfortable sometimes. And that's what being deep here is. It's, it's sometimes hard, but it's always worth it. Again, deep water is far from shore. But listen to what Jesus asked of us. Sometimes the deep causes us to give up certain things for the gospel. Stephen Cole says this about going deeper. If you want to be more effective in evangelism, get into God's word so you're clear about the deeper concepts of it. You must be able to understand and be able to show people what Scripture says about concepts like sin, judgment, Christ, substitutionary death, God's grace, and saving faith in Jesus Christ. Because here it is, the greatest calling and purpose for our lives, Christian, is doing whatever it takes to fish for men for the sake of the gospel. So let me ask you, what are you doing for the sake of others to come in and know Jesus? What are you putting on the line? What are we trying to do as a church, as an individual, with our lives? Will we do whatever it takes? Will we be uncomfortable? And when you're fishing... If you're a fisherman, you know at the summertime, fishing's hard. Fish usually go deep, and they're hard to catch when they're deep. And why the fish go deep? Because they know that's where they're supposed to go. The oxygen's different there. And guess what? It might be hard to catch them there sometimes. It might require more work, but that doesn't mean we just give up. That's the same thing Christ tells us. The fish are always biting. <laughs> when it comes to sharing the gospel, it's the same thing. They're always ready to hear it. And sometimes it requires work from us to go out into the deep. The way that where it's hard. I think the consistency you have in life shows the world around you who you are about. And because of this, you can be more effective sometimes in sharing the gospel with those you come in contact with. And doing life on life with people is the hardest thing. But the opportunities God has for us sometimes requires us to give up certain things. And guess what? We have to wade out into the deep. Why do we wade out to the deep? Because there's people drowning in their sin and brokenness, and all they want is a way out. And who, why can't we wade out there and get them? We can, if you're in Christ. What better news for somebody that's wading out there just trying to drown themselves is that Christ has already took your place for your sins and provide a way out through his life. But here's the thing, it doesn't just stop there. You have to walk through them daily to push them along the path. And guess what? Jesus, on his death on the cross, has provided a way out for those that will repent and trust in him and live lives devoted to him. And when it's hard or God calls us to be deep, guess who's already there? God is. And he wants us to keep fishing and keep following him to wherever he sends us. The last one there. Calling fishermen to be followers. Pretty interesting here. These guys literally were professional fishermen at the start of this passage, and by the end of it, they had a new career, didn't they? They changed their jobs forever. But let me ask you a question. Does Jesus really call us to this, like this? This couldn't be for just for all Christians, right? Like, I've heard this, and I have to tell you, I think it's false. I think we're all called to be, What? The Great Commission. We're all called to be servants telling others about who Jesus is. Every single one of us. The ordinary Christians. So if you're a disciple in Christ, which means you've repented of your sin and trusted in Him and live a life devoted to Him, then yes, this is the calling on your life as well. I mean, look at the Great Commission. It's not written only to pastors like me or any, any up or the ups in the church. It says this. 
And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So he pushes us out. He's already there. He calls us to follow him there. Think about it. If Peter wouldn't have baited here and put his net out or wouldn't have followed the commands of the Lord, that miracle would never have taken place. But you know what's just a big miracle? is when somebody repents of their sin and trust in Christ. It says that all of heaven rejoices when this happens. And guess what? He along with his partners are now followers of Christ. And what do they do? They leave, they leave it all behind. And these fishermen, I don't think they exactly know what the cost is yet of following Jesus, but they're willing to humble themselves and follow him. So let me ask you, what about the life that you lead? Can people tell what you follow or who you follow? Terrence, borrowing some from Terrence again. Also, Terrence is the, is the director of the C.S. Lewis Institute. He says this about following Jesus. I think it's great. Following Jesus then entails both obeying his teachings and imitating his example. But this is not the sum of the matter, for obeying and imitating are not the ends in themselves, but are a means to a greater end. That end or goal of discipleship is to become like Jesus himself, to think as he thought, to feel as he felt, to act as he acted, desire what he desired. As John puts it, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. But Jesus is the image of God in human form. As we become more and more like him, the image of God is increasingly restored in our own lives. So as simple as it is, if we're followers of Christ, we must be fishermen as well. So what does all this mean for us? It means churches, we're here. We hear the gospel presented. We should take it what do we say at the end of the services? You've been to church in here, go be the church out there. You know what that means? Taking the gospel outside the walls of the church. And guess what? That's for each and every one of us. Not just me, it's for each and every one of us. Why we should all be sharing the gospel? Because there's nothing better. If it's enriched your life and saved your sins, you understand what it's done and transformed your life, there's nothing better that you would not want to share. We also should be living in lives according to what God's design is for our lives. That's the hard part. <laughs> we do, how do we do this? I think coming corporately together and worshiping together. Having Bible study. Read your Bible throughout the week. Praying throughout the week. Doing life on life. And the next one. We should also spend our lives living on mission for the kingdom of God. Because guys, our life on earth is a blessing. If we got what we deserved, it would not be what we have. So we should treat every day as that. And with that, I'm going to teach you a way to help share the gospel. So there will be no excuses from this day forward. I'm going to leave this here where Daniel can play behind it too so I can see him. Alright. This is something that a guy that I did ministry with, Jimmy Scroggins, one of my mentors down in South Florida came up with. Uh, then North American Mission Board adopted it. And I've just seen this tool do mighty things for min in ministry. I'm, I mean, things that blow your mind, okay? I, I can remember when we launched this tool, we had, they had two campuses in South Florida. They have 14 now, okay? Like, I've seen this 
as basic as it is, be used by God to transform lives. All right? The first circle is this, that God has a design. God's design. And my students, you all better know this, by the way. So God has a design for things. He created things perfectly. We know this. We can read the story of Genesis. Things were perfect. It was perfect. But something happened, didn't it? Adam and Eve decided to eat from the tree of good and evil. What happened? They departed from God's design, didn't they? What do we, what's the Bible called when you depart from God's design? Sin. And what does sin do? It doesn't do good things, does it? Sin always leads to brokenness. And that's the next circle. Brokenness. Oh. And brokenness, guess what? It doesn't feel good. We all can relate to it if we've ever been broken. It doesn't feel good. We try different ways to get out, and it just doesn't work for us. We try bad relationships. Maybe drugs, alcohol. We get more stuff. It helps us get out of brokenness, right? A new car. You just name it. And brokenness just doesn't feel good. But praise be to God, he doesn't leave us in brokenness, does he? He provides a way out, and that's with the gospel. And that's the last circle. The gospel. But we need, to, we, need to, we need something to bridge the gap, don't we? And how do we bridge the gap from brokenness to the gospel? We repent. And believe. So what do we repent of? We repent of our sin. We've got to get out of brokenness. And we believe in the gospel. That what? Jesus was in heaven. He came to earth. He died on the cross for our sins. And then what did he do? He was the perfect man. Lived the perfect life. Died on the cross for our sins. Then he rose again on the third day defeating death, didn't he? That's as simple as you can get to the gospel. And because of this, if you repent and believe, you can have the same salvation. If you, if you get the gospel, guess what you actually get to do? Recover and pursue God's original design for your life. And guys, I'm telling you, this thing has, if you, if you come to my house, talk about the gospel, we're going to sit down and we're going to go through the three circles. I usually let the I usually explain it, and I let the person that's wanting to come and know Christ, let them explain it back to me. Why? Because the best thing I could do is train them up to be a disciple of Christ that shares the gospel. Because truly, guys, at the end of the day, as we close out our time together, what captivates you? Does the gospel captivate you? Does the people around you go into a place that they, they don't know where they're going? I tell you what worries me, and I talk about this all the time, is the indifference that some people have to things of the gospel. Some of Jesus is okay, but some of the things of the gospel is not okay. I don't know if that means you're saying. I don't know. But it scares me for you. Are you going to be about the Lord's business? Are you going to be focused on kept, kept catching fish or catching men? Because here's the thing what happens. I read a story as we close out this time. I read a story somewhere about the early man who ran a variety store. It had once been a thriving business. But as he got older, he became more obsessed with keeping the store neat and clean. He spent hours arranging and rearranging the merchandise on the shelves. And some days he would even open, even open the store for, wouldn't even open the store for fear that it would be thrown into disarray. 
That man had lost sight of the purpose of his story. And while this might sound ridiculous, it's easy for all of us to fall victim of this. Gradually, our focus begins to shift away from God's design and his purpose of catching people in the gospel. It becomes me-focused instead of him-focused. And I pray for all of us that the Lord would use us and his message to show us what the greatest purpose is in our life. How do we have abundant life? By catching men that are drowning and teaching them to live in the Lord. I pray that each one of us will accept our role as God has given us in our mission fields he has for us. And the Lord will be pleased to give each of us and our church a miraculous catch of people for his kingdom.